Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. I'm going to read from the Bible now, and it's from Luke chapter 2, 8 to 20, and it'll be on the screen behind me too. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising good God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Good morning, everyone. So, nightmare stuff, right, for a preacher is waking up with laryngitis and your voice not working. So, stay with me this morning. We'll be quick, I promise. And if it goes, just try not to laugh too hard. Can you do that? Can we make that deal? Um, so we'll do this. And also, you'll have to focus more than usual. So, because I might have to slow down and stuff like that, which, you know, people have been asking me for years. So, <laughs> here it is. Let's pray and then we'll get into this. Um, Father, may your word speak to us now. And might we be captivated again with the message that we've heard before. Lord, um, may we treasure this truth of Jesus, and uh, we do pray this would transform us, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder how you value Christmas presents. How do you determine the value of a present? You know, for me, I learned uh, some time ago that it's not about the initial hype of the moment, it's about the longevity of the gift. And it took me a little while to figure this out, right? So I was 17, it was kind of my last big present from my parents. And I was so excited, you know, I was, we were hyped for it that morning. And I opened up the present, I pulled back the, the wrapping paper, and there it was, a bag. And I thought, this is the best thing ever, a bag full of presents. I was so excited. And so here I am, pumped, hyped by this, and I opened the zip, and there inside was nothing. And I looked to my parents with confusion, uh, I was confused, um, I thought they were stitching me up, but no, the bag was the present that year. And I remember in that moment thinking, this isn't, this isn't that great. 
And uh, that year, Christmas, you know, we, I mean, I moved on, of course, but it wasn't until a few months later that I realized how good the bag was. I went on a camp and used that bag, and I thought, actually, this is pretty good. And then I used it again and again and again, and I've kept using it, and it's whole, there's holes in this bag, but I absolutely love this bag. And, and I learned in that moment that a good present's not about the hype that you get. It's about how much you use it after. Now, I don't know where you fit in terms of valuing presence. Maybe you think the same thing. Maybe you just like the hype and excitement. That's okay, each to their own, to be honest, when it comes to presence. But how much we value things, it's not always each to their own. You know what I mean? Like when it comes to the Christmas story of Jesus, this is not one where you can kind of just go, ah, oh, each to their own. Because when we think about it, the story of Christmas is actually a matter of life and death. And so what we want to do this morning is just think for a moment, how much do we value it? And, and do we need to value it? And does it matter? And how do we tell how much we value it? This is what we're thinking about this morning. And we're going to think about this as we look at two reactions that people have to the story of Jesus. Now, we got that, and it's in verse 18 and 19. But of course, we must set the context there a little bit because we were here yesterday. You might not have been here yesterday, but we were here yesterday. And we saw that Jesus was born. Uh, we were reminded that this is the king and the savior, the one the Old Testament prophesied, that he's finally here and that he's born. And then you get this moment where the shepherds hear about this. And, and Ross was talking to us about this yesterday. These guys are tradies. You know, they're, they're not the people that look like to have it all together. They probably haven't showered. They've probably been covered in poo, slingshots. That's probably the nature of our shepherds. But here they are. They see these angels. That's what we just read. They see the angels and the angels say, hey, the king, the Messiah, the, the savior of the world, the one that's going to change the world is here. And, and, and what they say is in verse 12, if you've got your Bibles there, you can see it in verse 12. They say, and this will be the sign to you, this baby Jesus, the king, will be born in a manger. And so in our passage that we had read out uh, there, well, particularly when we focus on verse 16, what we see is the shepherds see this sign, right? So they go and they find a baby wrapped in a manger. Now, this is significant um, because you don't always find babies wrapped in a manger. You know, like the, the tradies saw the angels and then the angel said, to prove what we're saying is true, I'm going to give you this sign, the baby's wrapped in a manger. This is like today. You know, again, if you think about today, kings being born, where would you expect, you know, the hospital, right? Maybe somewhere else. I don't know where kings are really born. But if someone said to you that the king is going to be born, but to find this king, you've got to go down to Underwood Park, and there's a gazebo. You've got to go to turn left at the gazebo. There's going to be a duck pond there, and, and around the first tree, there's going to be another tree, and there under that tree, there's going to be a baby wrapped. Right? It's wild. But yet, this is what the shepherds saw, and, th and this is the sign to prove that this is the king, the, the savior, the one who's going to change the whole world. And so what do the shepherds do? Well, they see this sign, and then in verse 17, verse 17, they spread the word. I, I love that. They're so confronted by the truth of Jesus that they spread the word. But now we're going to focus on the reactions, because we've got two reactions here to what the shepherds say, right? The king's born, the, the, the savior's here, the, the, he is the actual one that's going to change the world. And so let's have a look at these two verses to see our reaction and how much we value this, because the first reaction is in verse 18. So have a look. They hear about the child, and then this. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. This is the first reaction. All the people were amazed by it. Now, of course they were amazed by it, right? You might not be amazed by it, but you should be amazed by it. I mean, tradies telling, them that, telling you that they saw angels, and, and they had a sign that was proven to them to be true. This is amazing. And the truth is, when you, when you see this, if you saw this for the first time, you would actually be amazed by it. 
But the reality is, being amazed by the story of Christmas is actually not, not enough. It's not enough in and of itself. Now, why is this reaction not enough in and of itself? Well, again, let's, let's just think about presents for a moment. You know, if you open a present and you've got that hype, that excitement, it's shiny, it's beautiful. But then have you ever had that experience where you open that present up and then you never use it again? We've all had that, right? We've had that experience. Or worse, I think, you get excited about a present and then you go to try it on and it doesn't quite fit or it doesn't look the way you think it looked. And, and your immediate reaction was, this is awesome, and then you take it back and get something better the next day. Maybe you haven't been there, I've been there, and, and, and what we know is in that moment, your amazement is actually not enough to tell that that present is actually good. What you need is you need the, the, the ongoing nature of it. And, and here, what we're seeing is this is not just true with presence, this is also true with Jesus. So it is possible to be amazed by Jesus, but that ought to be the right reaction. And right throughout the book of Luke, you see this over and over again from the crowds. Okay, so the crowds show us this in the book of Luke. So in chapter 4, for example, Jesus will cast some demons out, and the crowds, all the people are amazed that Jesus can cast demons out. In fact, they say, what authority has this guy got that he can do that? In chapter 5, I think uh, Jesus will heal a paralyzed man. But when he does that, he shows he can also forgive sins. And, and it is so amazing that Jesus could actually heal a paralyzed man. And the crowds are amazed by it. Throughout his life, he'll do amazing things. He'll feed people on countrysides. He'll do all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, there comes this moment where Jesus would die on a cross. And, and you know, you've got to see this, right? The cross is truly the most amazing moment in all of history. You know, it is the, the, the thing that changes all the course of history where Jesus would die on a cross so people could have life. But as Jesus is heading towards the cross, do you know what the crowds are saying in that moment? They're not amazed by it. No, have a look at this. Luke chapter 23, Pilate says, I don't see anything wrong in this guy. And what do the crowds say? Crucify him. You see, if, if you are just amazed by moments of Jesus' life, it's actually not enough it's not the right reaction. It's not the reaction the Savior and the King deserves, but it's not the right reaction. I mean, some people in the book of the eyewitness account of Luke, they, they were amazed and then they killed Jesus. So, so if Jesus only captures part of your life or a little bit of your life, or maybe you're just here today because it's, it's something that you do, the truth is you can be amazed by Jesus and not be the right reaction. So what is the right reaction? What's the right reaction to Jesus? How, how should we react in a way that shows that we really value this thing? Well, this is what Mary shows us. So you get verse 18, when the crowds are amazed by it, but then have a look at verse 19. Verse 19 says, But Mary treasured up these things, all these things, and pondered them in her heart. Mary treasures them. She values them. And then she thinks about them. And, and you see the contrast there, don't you? You know, the, the crowds are amazed, but Mary, it, it's a contrast. It's meant to make us think. And in this moment, you see, okay, so the crowds are amazed, but they'll go and kill Jesus. But here, Mary, she, she treasures Jesus, she values Jesus, and then she thinks about him. And, and it's kind of written there almost like she's mulling on it. She can't stop thinking about it. You know that experience? Have you ever had that? I, I, oh, we've all had that, right? This year, you've probably had that, where you've had moments where you just can't stop thinking about something. You know, when you go to bed at night and it's just there and you're just thinking about it? You know, when you, like, you're cooking and you daydream and you think about that thing that you're thinking about? Right, we've all had those moments where we can't stop thinking about something. 
But here's the challenge, right? Or the, or the question, I suppose. And the question is, why do you think about the things you think about? Have you ever thought about that? Like, why is it that I'm thinking about the things that I can't stop thinking about? Now, you know what the temptation is? The temptation is to think, well, because what they said was crazy. You know, like, was it ridiculous what they said? Or what they did was ridiculous? Or, you know, there's this problem at work that I've got to solve. Or there's this family issue I've got to deal with. The temptation is to blame it on the things that we're thinking about. But do you know what the truth is? The truth is what we're thinking about is actually what we value. Like, there's 8 billion people in the world. You don't think about everything people say. It's just the people we value. What consumes our mind is the stuff that we value deep down in our heart. You know, there was a um, great theologian from the 1900s. His name was William Temple. He was the Archbishop of Canterbury. And he had this quote, and this is the quote. He said this, Religion is what you do with your solitude. Now, I know on the surface that sounds a little bit strange, but what he's saying is, when you're all by yourself with no phone to distract you or anything else to distract you, you know, and often it is at night when we close our eyes, what our mind drifts to is what our religion is. Now, I know, you, you know, we might be sitting here and going, well, it's not my religion. I don't, I don't put my trust in those things. But no, deep down, the test is not whether we cognitively think those things are our God. It's actually just where our mind drifts to because those things that we're thinking about are those things that we trust and value. That's where our identity is. You know, the reason we can't stop thinking about what the people said is because we value those people more than we ought to. And we, we, our identity lies in what people think about us. You know, like th this is what happens. Um, the, the reason we can't stop thinking about work is because we put our identity in our work or family or whatever else it is. And so the test of your heart to see where you trust, what you value, what you treasure is not what you say, it's what you think about in the quiet moments. Now, do you see what is so profound about what Mary does? Because for Mary... She treasures these things. She values these things. And when, the, and, and when the shepherds are gone and the wise men finally leave and Joseph's asleep, Mary is still treasuring these things. And she's pondering on them. She, she's thinking about them. She, she values them. And, and here in this moment, what Luke is showing us is the reaction that we ought to have to Jesus. It's not just being amazed for a moment. It's, it's treasuring these things above all else. It's valuing these things. And it's fascinating because right throughout the book of Luke, this is the pattern that we see set up. In fact, later on in the book of Luke, a guy will come to Jesus and say, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And maybe you're here today and maybe you're asking the same question. How do I get to heaven? How do I get eternal life? Well, you know what Jesus says? He says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And what he's saying there is this idea, Jesus can't just capture a moment of our life or part of our life, but all of our life. Because when he captures all of our life and we treasure him with everything, this is where we're putting him in the right place and we're treating the Savior and the King the way he deserves. And so again, if you're thinking about, do I react well or, or, or am I valuing the Christmas story? Well, again, you've got to think, has Jesus captured everything? And, and the truth is, when Jesus has captured everything, our heart, our mind, our strength, the truth is not only does it bring us eternal life because we're resting in the finished work of Jesus, but it brings us joy here and now. And do we not need joy here and now? Of course we do, right? Like right now, in, in the year that we've just had, in the world that we just had, like it's worth stopping for a moment and considering how good it is that we can have joy now. Not just joy in the future, but joy right now. You know, there, there was an article this week 
And here's the article. Uh, it was on The Guardian. And it's called Christmas Joy Feels More Elusive Than Ever. Look for Quiet Contemplation Instead by a guy called Paul Daly. And, you know, he could nearly be, that could nearly be the title of the Christmas <laughs> sermon. But if you read the article, it's not. And, and basically what he's saying is life is hard. And as you get older, joy seems more elusive than ever. You know, it's such a shame, right? When you're kids, you don't, you don't value joy as much as you ought. And then when you get to an adult, joy becomes harder to grasp. And so what, what he says is, the answer is contemplation. But look at this. This is his quote, right? He says this. Best in these circumstances, I often think, to look to the universe, the stars and the moon, for comfort. Over here at the bottom of the world, we can look at the stars and the moon with its magical tidal pool and just sit with it for a while and know that the universe is bigger, more meaningful than the globe with all its determination to destroy itself. What he's saying is the answer to joy being elusive is just meditate on the universe. Now, while, you know, that might give you perspective, thinking about the sun and the moon and the stars, and, you know, there's something... I suppose in, in gaining perspective, the truth is the sun and the moon and the stars aren't going to deal with anything. They're not going to give you joy. They're not going to deal with your despair. They're not going to give you peace in the middle of chaos. And they're not going to solve your broken relationship with the living God. It might be helpful for, for perspective, but it doesn't actually deal with anything. And do you know what he's doing? He's actually trying to find joy from the world. Right? And, it, and it's interesting. Trying to find joy from the world is trying to find light in the middle of darkness without turning the lights on. You know, like in your room at night when everything is dark, it's like thinking if you just look at where the light is, then that's going to bring light. But you can't find light from darkness. You, you need light to come into the middle of the darkness. And, and likewise, we can't find joy from the world because it's not going to deal with anything. It's not going to deal with despair or chaos or any of those things. We need joy to come to the world which is exactly what Christmas is all about. We're celebrating that when, when God saw our despair and our chaos, that he didn't abandon it, he came into the middle of it. He came to it. Jesus, the, the king of history, came to the world. And so we celebrate that joy came to the world. We don't, we don't just try and manifest joy from the world. We celebrate that joy came to us. And, and when we see this truth, and treasure this truth with all that we are. Not only do we know that we have eternal life, but we do actually find a joy right now. So as you're sitting here thinking, considering for a moment, do we value Christmas? Have we got this reaction right? The, the test is not being here this morning. The test is actually what happens when the lights turn off, when the season passes, when life kicks on again in January. And there, in the middle of the chaos and in the middle of the, the despair, are we still treasuring Jesus with all that we have and pondering him? This is the test of whether we've got this right. And, and when we do, it's not just eternal life and joy forever that depends on it. It's, it's this right now. It's life and joy right now. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing joy to the world to, to enjoy this. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. That, that you have come into the world, that when you saw the darkness and the chaos, you did not leave us in despair, but you came towards us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the light in the middle of darkness. And we pray right now and past this season that we would see and celebrate this joy. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've got two songs.